There's electric cars. Cars. There's electric trains. Trains. Here comes a robot with electric brains. Our next robot guest has worked for NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory for over 30 years, helping advance our exploration of the solar system. He's taking a look at uh, what's going on in society, uh, disruption, artificial intelligence. He's got a new book out. Peter Scott is author of Crisis of Control, How Artificial Superintelligence May Destroy or Save the Human Race. And he joins us on the phone from Victoria, British Columbia. Uh, Peter, nice to have you here with us. Uh, we spend so much time here at Bloomberg uh, talking a lot about artificial intelligence, it seems to have found its way into just about every industry. Is it friend or foe? Hi, Carol. Thanks for having me on the, the program here. When I started writing my book, I had to preface every uh, remark with that I, when I, I spoke with, I know this is going to sound crazy, but and, uh, events have uh, certainly changed in the last year where this is starting to become more of a mainstream message. And you're echoing... A, a common uh, refrain in the uh, battle currently going between Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk, for instance. And in the short term, AI is definitely a friend. In the long term, it's likely to be a foe. And the trouble is that the dividing line between short and long term could be as little as 20 years, and it might take longer than that to mitigate those effects. Well, it's, you know, when we talk about artificial intelligence, I do also feel like we throw it around. Um, you know, you're someone who understands it intrinsically. What exactly are we talking about? I mean, we're basically teaching computers, what, to think like a human. So there isn't actually a, a, a very good working definition of artificial intelligence, but there's several competing ones. And... Uh, Oftentimes, people say artificial intelligence is what we haven't learned how to do yet because every time we do achieve something that we thought, oh, that takes AI to do it, uh, then we say, well, no, it wasn't really that difficult after all, like playing chess. The uh, popular conception of artificial intelligence now is the field called artificial general intelligence, which we don't have any uh, instantiations of yet, where a computer would produce a, a good facsimile of a, a human reasoning, being able to solve general tasks. And we are several major breakthroughs away from that happening, but that could be as little as 20 years. You have a great quote uh, in one of your chapters, Alan Turing, if a machine is expected to be infallible, it cannot also be intelligent. Mm -hmm. um, yes, I, I think that we will need to get a lot more uh, understanding of the human uh, psychology and cognitive processes in order to be able to tackle things like this, to have good and ethical artificial general intelligence, because the human brain uh, is, is wired to make a lot of mistakes, which computers generally don't. And will we need to somehow incorporate that as a feature before we, we get robot friends? Well, you know, it's interesting. You know, your press release talks about how the book looks at both the challenges and opportunities of artificial superintelligence. I think about things like the medical profession, where there's so much information. I think it's hard for anybody in the medical profession to be up to date on everything that's happening in terms of R&D. Um, but if you were able to have a computer kind of assimilate all that information so that when somebody 
has some kind of ailment, they're getting the latest and greatest information. It's not a, you know, it's not just for those people who are in major cities who have access to the greatest and you know, best hospitals, um, you know, but that everybody has access to, the, to, to that information, that's a good thing. Yes, it certainly should be. And, uh, for instance, Watson, the computer that won Jeopardy, mm-hmm. is now solving, uh, diagnosing cancer cases for Sloan Kettering Memorial. And when they first uh, took Watson on board, they thought, well, maybe it'll be able to diagnose 5% of the cases that we can't, and the number was something more like 20% and heading upwards. And mm. they discovered it was because Watson was up to date on literature that they were six months behind in, in reading. And it made that much of a difference. And, and so uh, absolutely uh, we could put together um, understanding of not just cancer but everything else. So you could have a lot of uh, AIs that were narrow intelligences, each one specializing. So you have one that can specialize in everything, a, a generalized specialist in, in medicine. Mm-hmm. And that would be a good thing. It's not uh, one of the... Uh, the, the doomsday scenarios, uh, those are, are, arise from uh, a bug of one form or another. What is it that worries you might happen as a result uh, of artificial intelligence or super intelligence? Well, uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, the, the, the problem boils down to unintended side effects and what we would call a bug. Uh, who wants to be relying on version 1.0 of anything? And with artificial intelligence, it will have the power by virtue of being connected to the world's computer networks, that if it goes off in the wrong direction, it could wreak enormous havoc. Just like today, termites could throw us back to the Stone Age in a week if they got intelligent about it. They just won't, fortunately, but they're distributed enough to destroy enough of us to do that. If anything that's connected to the world's computer networks evolves what we might call an intent in that direction, we would have a serious problem. I mean, is it that you're worried or that you're thinking that I think about our defense systems and our military systems? Is that what could create or, you know, artificial superintelligence could wreak havoc upon? It's certainly one vector, and it's a popular one because you can't talk about this for long without thinking about the Terminator, right? And and there are also far more uh, elegant ways of... uh, uh, acting against the human race than the nuclear weapons. But the, the side effects don't even require consciousness uh, or malevolence or intent to happen. Uh, Nick Bostrom of Oxford University, England, outlined a whole lot of scenarios where uh, we could be destroyed by artificial intelligence just trying to do exactly what we told it to. Well, that's kind of terrifying. <laughs> well, it is, and I don't want anyone to take come away from this thinking we've got to stop this because, yeah. firstly, we can't. But secondly, there are other problems to which this can solve if we develop AI ethically and compassionately and that we understand what ethics and compassion are for humans on a much greater level. Then we, we can ensure that they will be on our side and help protect us from our own worst impulses, like the possibility of people taking the same exponential advances in technology to cause havoc with 
bioterrorism launched from their, their basement, for instance. Sounds like we have to be intelligent, uh, intelligent, if you will, about uh, the artificial intelligence that's, you know, increasingly evading or invading, I should say, our world. Um, I'm taking this book on vacation with me because I think it's uh, fascinating. Peter Scott, thank you so much. Author, his book is Crisis of Control, How Artificial Superintelligence May Destroy or Save the Human Race. You're listening to Bloomberg Markets. I'm Carol Masser. In our Bloomberg 1130 studio, big news today, President Trump ousting Anthony Scaramucci of another shakeup uh, in the administration. You are listening to Bloomberg Radio.